It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying different Hey everyone and welcome to the Growth Hub podcast brought to you by Advanced B2B, the marketing agency for SaaS companies and the subscription economy. It's Edward here and today we're joined by Nicola Anderson, VP of Marketing at Go Cardless. This is for sure one of the most raw interviews that we've had on the Growth Hub podcast as we explore the topics of innovation, diversity and mentoring in SaaS. And really this episode all comes back to development And that's on many levels, including your development as a SaaS company, your development as a marketing team, and your development as an individual. We explore the ingredients needed for innovation, how it's impacted teams at GoCardless, and the building blocks needed to start building a culture of innovation. Then we look at the importance of diversity in SaaS, what we can do to address the issue, and also get more women in tech. And we also dig into imposter syndrome and Nicola shares her advice on how to overcome mental barriers that may be blocking your self-development. This leads nicely into the third part of the interview as Nicola talks about coaching, mentoring and how to develop yourself and those around you. And of course, stay tuned to the end of the episode where Nicola takes on our Fast Five Challenge. So here is episode 21 of the Growth of Podcast with Nicola Anderson, VP of Marketing at Go Cardless. All right. Well, well, welcome to the show, everyone. And it's my pleasure to welcome Nicola Anderson, VP of Marketing at Go Cardless. So Nicola, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. It's a real honor. Yeah. And uh, today we're going to be talking about a very, very big set of topics. So innovation, diversity, and coaching in SaaS, both from a company and marketing perspective. So let's start off with innovation, because you've mentioned that innovation needs two things, curiosity and discipline. So why is that? I think the first thing here is to really define what we mean by innovation, because there's a whole range of of different definitions out there. And to me, it's about turning an idea into a solution that adds value to the customer. And that could be an internal customer or an external customer. To do this well within a business, you really need that balance of curiosity and discipline. And curiosity, because you need a culture where innovation is not just accepted, but core company value, where individuals are empowered to to challenge the norm, how things are done, and come up with different ways of of solving those problems. But then on the other side, you you need discipline as well, because you shouldn't just be innovating for the sake of innovation. There needs to be really clear, um, actionable reason for a project. Um, One of our company values is, is start with why, and so for any project like this, we'd always start with why are we doing this, what's the hypothesis, and and how are we actually going to measure whether this is successful. Yeah, I love it. So it sounds like a bit of uh, Simon Sinek there creeping into your philosophy and culture. And I'd love to know, how has innovation actually impacted different departments and teams at GoCardless? Well, it it works at all levels at GoCardless, and both within and across departments as well. At the macro level, what GoCardless is doing is is transforming the concept of bank-to-bank payments for businesses. Um, Direct debit is one of the most trusted and cost-effective safe ways to pay, but it's it's really been stuck in the dark ages. It's notoriously hard to access, globally fragmented with different schemes per country and and really inflexible. And so as a business, our our mission is to change that and, and bring it into the 21st century. So we've opened up access to businesses of all sizes, making it easy to access, 
via your um, by, by our API or by accounting platforms like Sage and Zero. We've made it flexible and we're linking up schemes so you can take payments across multiple markets from the UK and Europe to um, we've just launched in Australia, which is very exciting. But innovation happens at all levels. We have a partnership team working on building the best in class integrations with our partners. We have a growth team focusing on how to simplify our onboarding process. And an area that we're going to be touching on later, our talent team are really focusing on how we can attract a more diverse range of candidates. Yeah, and I know that you've, uh, you've partnered up with one of our former guests on the podcast. That's Charge B, so Chris and the team. So good to hear about some of the things that you're doing there with innovation across the company. So let's talk now about marketing more specifically. So how do you actually create a culture of innovation within marketing? What are the fundamental requirements, the building blocks and the steps that teams need to take? I don't think you can really consider as, a, as specific to marketing. And I think it's, it's really critical not to silo innovation because actually it's often the cross-functional teams that will be the most innovative in the company. And, and so what we've actively done within marketing and with product development is, is to put together a, a cross-functional team, which is a mix of designers, developers, and marketeers, all working together to look at how we can solve a variety of problems. And I think the most important thing there is, is to really empower that team to make it autonomous, that they can make their own decisions. I think lengthy sign-off processes are the quickest way to kill innovation. And at the heart of it is, is giving them permission to fail. Not all innovation is going to be successful and it's really important to acknowledge that failure and, and learn from it. I think a, a really interesting example we had was we recently ran a homepage test and we were quite excited about it and, and the results just weren't significant. And rather than then just brush that under the carpet, we decided that that was something we wanted to share with the company as a whole and explain why we did the test, what the hypothesis was, what the results were and, and what we've really learned from it and what we're going to do next. And uh, we had a couple of new starters actually and, and they said that they were absolutely fascinated by this because in every other company they worked in, they only ever shared successful results and success, uh, successful experiments. And it was really interesting looking at those that weren't necessarily successful, but what you could also take away from that too. Yeah, exactly. Because that's where you get the real learnings and the insights in terms of how you can improve and, and innovate going forward. And actually, another key ingredient for innovation is diversity. And I would love to hear your thoughts on why diversity is such an important topic right now in tech and SaaS. Yeah, it's, it's such a hot topic at the moment. And frankly, I think it's really about time. Um, there's so much research out there that shows that companies with a diverse range of employees from different cultures and backgrounds are, are way more successful across the board, and, and that's from innovation. I think there was a report in Harvard Business Review that there was an 83% increase in innovation in, in diverse teams. It's also a far better representation of your existing and, and potential customers as well. Um, but as, as we were talking about previously, Edward, when you look at the stats in the tech sector, it, it's woefully behind. I think 17% of employees are women, and, and it's not just about gender either. And it's something that we really need to work on, not just within businesses, but across the whole sector as well. Um, I think you've done a great job of getting a, a diverse group of guests on the podcast, and, and I really do applaud um, SASDOC and SASTA. I think they're doing a lot about encouraging diversity at their events, and, and they both have mandates that there's no mammals allowed. So it's, it's making sure that we're, we're creating that diversity from top down, but within the businesses as well. Yeah, and that's, that's a really interesting point you brought up. And 
actually, if we follow on from there, in a recent SaaS stock AMA that I was reading from Christoph Jans of Point Nine Capital, he actually wrote that it's absurd that over 90% of the people in our industry are white males. So what can we do to actually address the diversity issue and then also, you know, get more women in tech? Well, women in tech is, is probably the, the area I'm most qualified to talk about. And I think the first thing is, is it needs a bit of a rebrand. It's just not an area that a lot of women consider working in. And I think there's also quite a misconception that you have to be technical to work in tech. People don't actually consider that there's, there's other roles within marketing, within sales, customer success, data. Um, but I know that when I was first approached about the role at GoCardless, I, I said absolutely no. I had zero interest in, in working in tech and, and specifically payments. And it was only after a couple of, of prods that I actually went to meet with, with Hiroki, really just, yeah, I'll just go and see what, it, what it's about. And after about half an hour of speaking to Hiroki, who also is incredibly inspiring as well, I suddenly thought, my God, this is the space I really want to be in. And, and complete change from no thank you very much to how on earth do I get this job? Because you start to understand what the business is really about. It's not tech or payments. It's about problems you're solving and how you can really be helping businesses. And I was being really short-sighted in, in just looking at this as like a, a payments tech opportunity. So I think there's a lot of work to be done in, in really going back to those grassroots and spending more time on educating schools and university students about the amazing opportunities there are for women in this space. I think, secondly, there's a ton of stuff we can do as tech companies to make it a more attractive place for women to work. We've just been through a whole process of, of looking at our entire hiring process, and that's every stage from how you're writing job descriptions to the search process and the recruitment agencies we're using to how we're interviewing and our company benefits and what we're highlighting there as well. Um, small changes like using tools to check your job descriptions for gender bias, words like um, you know, a tech favorite ninja, rock star, guru, are all very male. Um, looking for more gender neutral terms and, and even like pronouns use and, and superlatives like world-class and, and superior and, and they immediately put off some women who feel like they're just not going to be good enough for that role. And I think also make sure you describe the culture and, and the benefits in the right way. We tend to talk a lot about free beers and, and table tennis and actually you need to be highlighting <laughs> flexible working hours childcare as well as that, so that you're appealing to a more diverse audience. Um, the, one of the other areas we, we picked up on is that often women were coming in and they were only being interviewed by men. And even if there isn't somebody that is directly within their team, you should still make sure there's women as part of that interview process, just because they may be asking different questions. Yeah, exactly. And you mentioned there about some of your own experiences when you joined Go Cardless, and you actually mentioned that you suffered from imposter syndrome, especially when you entered the tech space. So why was that? Were they somehow related? Um, no, I, I think I just have imposter syndrome in, in all situations. I don't think it's specifically related to, to tech, but, um, but I do think it was the biggest challenge for me as a woman in tech. It, it was actually myself. Um, I, I think I tried to pull out of the interview process twice for GoCardless because I just kept having complete panic attacks that 
somehow I'd managed to get through the interview process and I hadn't really worked out that I was in no way qualified to do this job. And so it really was the best thing for me to just remove myself from it. So I did everything I could not to join. Um, and even, even the day I joined, I remember ringing my, my wonderful old boss at Moo and, and she said, it, it's going to be fine. And, and we had an agreement that if it didn't work out, I could go back there within the first three months. And it was, it was having that sort of safety net around me that made me slightly more comfortable in, in actually joining. But yeah, I, I, I really did try and, and sabotage that. Um, and it's such a shame because I really love working in tech. I, I really wouldn't want to be anywhere else. It's, it's, it's incredibly exciting and dynamic and it's full of some of the, the smartest women I know. And, and I've, worked in, I've worked in the beauty industry, which was, I think we were 40 women and two guys. So I've had the two, two real extremes. And here, I've, I've never felt like a woman in the room or that I'm treated in any way differently. And that's within my department, at the management level, working with our board. It's, it's about me as an individual and what I can bring to the table and, and how as a team, we've all got a range of different experiences and, and insights to, to drive the company forward. But yeah, I can, I can talk a little bit about imposter syndrome, which is a... Uh, definitely the inner gremlin um for those of you that, that aren't clear on what it is it's it's that voice that says you know what on earth are you doing you're really not good enough what are you doing on this podcast <laughs> why on earth did edward ever ask you to be on it um and and i think i must have written you at least three emails probably still sat in my my drafts um, saying i i just i'm sorry i'm too busy i just can't make this as, as i was so very terrified about about joining and and yet here we are um, it's, it's one of those things where, where I just have to say to myself, feel the fear and, and, and do it anyway. It's, it's, it's what's, what's really the worst that can happen. We decide that it was a terrible podcast and we don't ever show it or we do it again. Um, and I think how you, how you feel once you've actually addressed these issues, it's, it's so important to just push on through it. And for those of you that do suffer from it, a couple of, of tips that, that have really helped me. Um, one, I, I recommend everyone listen to Brené Brown's TED Talk on vulnerability. It's incredible, and I must have watched it about five or six times. Um, I think, secondly, you have to just acknowledge it and, and say, okay, this is part of me. It's not going to go away, so I need to embrace it and, and work with it. And, and reframe the question. So... Why, what, why have I been invited on this podcast? Um, why do they want me? Okay, well, let's think about what I can actually bring to this. Yes, I am a woman in tech. We've, we've got some real challenges here. So actually, I really owe it to, to women in this space to, to be doing this and, and hopefully encouraging more people to come and do this too. Um, I think secondly, when you have imposter syndrome, you, you think you have to be perfect and you're not expected to be perfect and don't be afraid to ask for help. And I've got the most fantastic network um, that's really supported me um, when I've had questions or, or real wobbles in the last couple of years. And often they're in exactly the same space and we're all just muddling through this together. I think the third thing is, is work and, and help others. Um, coaching and mentoring is, is a great way of, of really not only supporting others, but, but really showing yourself that you, you are actually knowledgeable in some areas and, and you really can add value. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. And, you know, this is awesome, firstly, to have you on the show. I'm so glad that we have you here today, Nicola. And I know that imposter syndrome is something a lot of people suffer from where they question, you know, what am I doing here? You know, people are going to realize that I don't know what I'm talking about or I'm a fraud. So great to have your advice about how to deal with that. But one thing I want to touch on before we move into mentoring and coaching, which is what we just just mentioned there, what advice would you give to, to other women who I think about getting into the tech and SaaS space, but might be having some concerns or worries about that. I think one thing is don't be afraid to reach out to people and ask for their advice and how they're finding working in that sector. One thing that I tend to do is stalk people at conferences, um, and I highly recommend this. So if you see somebody on stage on a panel that's working in tech that you really admire, don't be afraid to, to go up to them afterwards and chat to them then or reach out to them on LinkedIn because everyone is so happy to talk about this and, and to encourage more women to join. So I think that's really the best place to start. And secondly, don't be afraid to put yourself out of your comfort zone. Um, what's the, the stat? I think it's women on average will only apply for a job if they feel that they're 95% qualified, whereas for men it's 60%. And as I said before, you're not expected to be perfect. Look for those roles that are a step up, that are gonna be a challenge. No one wants you in a role where you can do everything brilliantly already and have done it before yeah perfect some great advice there and let's move on to the third and final topic so you mentioned about mentoring and coaching and this is something that you do quite a bit of so tell us what, what's actually the difference between the two and why did you actually decide to invest your time and effort into mentoring and coaching I think the best way to explain the difference between mentoring and coaching is a mentor will ask your questions and a coach will question your answers Mentors tend to be much more directive and provide very specific advice on a problem. So for example, how on earth do I set up Google Analytics? Whereas a coach, they're not offering their own advice or opinions. They're really trying to help the individual find their own solution. And they don't have to be mutually exclusive. You can switch from one to the other depending on, on the individual's needs. So I think I first got into mentoring um, actually at the Pirate Summit in Cologne, for those of you that have ever been, um, which is actually where I met Liam, one of your um, previous guests who's been a great support to me. And I've been doing mentoring for a while, both through Virgin Startups and also just supporting some other women in tech. And I have to admit, I'd, I'd never really thought about coaching um, at all until a situation in my personal life. And... Um, my sister, who, who I'm really close to, had a fairly serious life-changing accident and was in rehab for about a year. And during that time, it was, it was my absolute priority to, to really support her through that rehab process. And, and I thought I was doing a, a pretty good job of, of being there for her, of making sure I was speaking to her every day. And yeah, all the signs were showing that I, I really wasn't as she seemed to be getting more and more distant from me and, and really not wanting to engage with me at all and I couldn't work out what was going on so I got to a point where I was, I was quite desperate and I spoke to a friend of mine who, who's a coach and, and told him what was going on and um, he said Nicola I'm not surprised you're just not listening to her you're so busy trying to fix her that she's trying to talk to you and be in a space where she can share some of her fears and, and what she's scared of and you're there to support her as she works through this. And instead, you're not listening and you're just constantly trying to come up with ideas to make it better and, and, and you just can't. And 
I put that into practice, in fact, that evening, and it, it had a, a dramatic change. And that was all she wanted. She wanted to have somebody there that she could, that she could really talk to and open up to, and, and that safe space. And I realized that this was actually something I was doing across my whole life, both in business and, and um, with friends and family too. And I was so busy trying to think, how can I add value here? And how can I really help and, and come up with solutions? And actually, that's often the worst thing you can do. And what you want to be able to do is be there to really support people as they're going through things and, and listen and help them come to their own conclusions. Yeah, that's fantastic. Really appreciate you opening up on, on that in terms of how you kind of got into mentoring and coaching in particular. And if we bring this back to the business side and to SaaS and so forth, why is coaching and mentoring then really beneficial to employees? And what is the best way to create a coaching culture within an organization? Well, I think coaching is very much about empowering individuals and teams to reach their best potential. And from that, you're going to see improved performance, higher employee satisfaction and retention, and just general better communication throughout the company. So it's why, why wouldn't you do this as a business? Um, and, and as I mentioned, it, it's not just about individuals. It can really help with teams as well and making sure that they're, they're performing to the best of their, their ability. Um, and I, I really don't think it's, it's that hard to implement. It's so much of it is, is just about stopping talking and, and start listening. Um, as my friend told me, you have two ears and one mouth for a particular reason. And every time you're about to launch in with your own solution, stop and say, hang on a minute, let me see what the individual or the team thinks about this. Let me work with them to let them come up with their own ideas. And, and more often than not, I'm just blown away with, with the solutions that, that individuals or teams will come up with themselves. And you think, well, actually, my idea wasn't anywhere near as good as that. <laughs> and I think to do that, it's, it's really about training um, and it needs to come from the top down. So make it part of, of your management training and make sure that your senior leaders are, are really embracing that coaching culture. And it's, it's really tough in tech because we're all, we're all so busy, so time poor that often the easiest thing to do is to just, if someone asks you a question, is just to very, very quickly come up with, oh, just go and do this, or what about doing this? And to actually stop and take the time and, and find out a little bit more about what that problem is, explore it together, and see how that, that person or team thinks they can actually solve it. it does involve more investment, but it's going to pay you back in dividends. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely love it. All right, awesome. Well, let's move on now to... Our closing questions and our fast five challenge. So all I'm going to do is ask five questions and you just need to answer as quickly as possible. So Nicola, are you ready? I am ready. Great. All right, let's do it. So first question, what's the one book that you would recommend others to read? Can I have one fiction and one nonfiction, please? Yes. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, nonfiction would be Play Bigger which was actually recommended to me by one of our investors, Notion Capital, um, which is all about category design and uh, definitely one of the, the best business books I've ever read. And nonfiction would be Kurt Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse-Five. Um, I don't know if you've read it, Edward, but um, it's one of my favorite books. It's brilliant and beautiful and has my favorite quote in it, which Moby's actually just stolen for his album, which is, everything was beautiful and nothing hurt. Okay, great. I actually haven't read it, but it's on my list now. So looking Good. forward to reading that. Perfect. Okay, second question. A SaaS company that you love and why? Um, 
Personally, and I think within our marketing team, we all absolutely love Trello. Um, we use it for so many different areas in marketing, from project management to requests and, and to, to team retrospectives as well. Um, and, and more recently, I'm, I'm also quite addicted to Clearbit, which was actually a recommendation by um, Mad Kudu, which is a fantastic tool for, for data enhancement and, and for also understanding who's visiting your website. Love it. Question three, your favorite place to read about marketing online? Um, oh, Chart Mogul's blog is, is, is quite fantastic. Um, Occam's Razor by Avinash Kushik is, is great on metrics and, and tracking, and particularly he's got a fantastic blog on attribution. Um, and then I have a small obsession with both Seth Godin and Tim Ferriss. And uh, Seth Godin was on Tim Ferriss's podcast, actually, which was just almost too much for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, shout out to Ed and the Chart Mogul team. Love what they're doing. And of course, a former guest on the podcast as well. So question four, your most important growth metric. Um, for us, it would be lifetime value. Okay. Why is that? Because it's, it's not just about acquisition and it's so much around who you're acquiring, the value of them and how you can continue to work with them. Yeah. Perfect. And then the fifth and final question. So your best piece of advice for fellow SaaS marketing leaders? Really invest in hiring a great set of diverse people. Um, it's incredibly time consuming and way more time consuming than you ever imagine. But it's the only way you can really successfully scale and that time investment will pay you back many times over. Perfect. Well, Nicola, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very much for having me. That was Nicola Anderson on innovation, diversity, and mentoring in SaaS. You can follow Nicola on Twitter at Nick365. That's at N-I-C-365. And as ever, if you have any feedback, then you're always more than welcome to get in touch with me on Twitter at NordicEdward, LinkedIn, or reach out to me at edward at advancedb2b.fi. So thank you so much for listening to the Growth Up podcast brought to you by Advance B2B. And this is your host, Edward Ford, signing off. And make sure you check out advancedb2b.com for more content and resources on everything B2B SaaS growth. It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying different